Fellas, what's going on, guys? What's good, bro? What's good? What's good? What's good? Dace Brat, how you living, bro? Man, I'm living large and in charge. Happy to be back with you guys today talking about another crazy urban legend. Ooh. I think this one's going to be a good one. It's going to be a doozy. It's going to be an awesome one. Yeah, not a good one. Definitely ain't going to be It's, it's going to be awesome. Let's, let's try to make it high. Let's, let's try to make that bar high, huh? This awesome episode from Discovery Plus. This is Urban Legends with the Ghost Brother. I'm your boy, Dalen Sprizzy. I am the Marcus Harvey. And I'm the paranormal poppy, Jawan Mass. And if you have not seen our hit show... Oh, it's a hit, it's a hit, it's a hit! A home run, baby. We are Atlanta's premier paranormal... Wait, 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 not Atlanta. Oh, excuse me, my bad, Marcus. I surely, surely downplayed us. We are the Galaxy... There you go. Universe. Premier paranormal investigators. Mm-hmm. When I tell you we love the history, mm-hmm. I mean, we love investigating. Mm-hmm. And Jawan, what else do we love? We love getting scared. You gonna get that one? That word. That, that, I love that, the rumble. It's the crescendo. It's, I don't know what it is about. It's the it. crescendo. But don't you worry about it, because on this podcast we will look at some of the most infamous creepy tales. Mm-hmm. I mean, where did these urban legends come from? We'll investigate them. We'll even talk to some experts and maybe even channel some spirits, Marcus. Oh, <laughs> talking today. drink. Well, today, today, today. Can I talk about today? Please do. Today. Can I talk about today? Right. Don't talk now. about oh, tomorrow. Don't talk about today. Today, we're talking about the legend straight from Staten Island. An escaped mental patient who lives in the woods and loves to kill children. Oh, he has a hook for a hand. What? And of course, this terrifying legend is called Cropsy. Cropsy! All right, so Dalen, man, I feel like you've heard of Cropsy. I mean, here and there, he's like the boogeyman. I imagine him hiding in an old abandoned building in the woods. But besides that, I don't know too much about him. I mean, you're not wrong with your synopsis. Okay. But I did do a little preparation for today. Okay. So I'm going to tell y'all how fully educated I am on this legend. Okay, break it down then. So the next time you're in Staten Island, you can be acquainted with this historical events, you know, like Cropsy. Or the Wu-Tang Clan, because they ain't nothing to mess with. All right. I see what's going on. Sorry. Go ahead. My bad. No, it's cool. Wrong show. So where are we starting? I think we got to start with just the myth itself first and foremost, okay? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you grew up in or around New York, you probably heard of the legend of Cropsy. You imagine him as this, like, boogeyman type Hey, forget about it. Hey, man, forget about it. You're stepping on my foot here. But look, though, he lived in the ruins of this old Seaview Sanitarium. Oh. You see, for the young folks listening, that's where they put all the people who were really, really sick. I mean, like if you had tuberculosis, uh-huh. uh, if you might have had what's that thing that electrophonesis. What's that thing that what's that thing that you can get money off of? Listen, if you've been affected by melotheliosis, okay, no, uh, call this number. <laughs> that's where, okay, that's where they put all the people with that's that. Where, that's where class action okay. started. Listen, the people don't tell you when you call that number mm-hmm. uh-huh. as you hear on television. This is where they put you. Okay, mm-hmm. it's really just a bait and switch. That's thing. Yeah. oh man, but yeah, man, this is a bad island. Okay, mm-hmm. anyway, Cropsy lives in this tunnel right mm-hmm. beneath this old hospital, and sometimes he comes out, and when he sees kids. He drags them back into the tunnel, and then he kills them. You mean to tell me he's dragging kids back into these tunnels? I mean, is he like that's using kidnapping, this? isn't it? Like, I don't, I'm not. 
I'm, I'm just I'm not a cop, but I'm just saying. I'm just trying to figure out if he's using this hook like an instrument, you know what I'm saying? Well, to answer both of your questions, yes, Jawan, that is kidnapping. Because moving someone more than 20 feet against their will Wait, is how, considered kidnapping. How, how did you know, two, how did you know the specific and, uh, to your question, Marcus? <laughs> okay. Yes. <laughs> he used his hook like an instrument. Like the violinist he was with his cutting. Hmm? What? I don't think he was a violinist, no. but he was but that he may, have been art, he may have been an artist. He was an it. artist with his kidnapping and cutting with a hook. Mm, okay. Did any of these kids get away? Well, in the 1980s, the legend kind of took a turn. Uh-oh. Yeah. It became very real, guys. That doesn't sound good at all. I mean, way more realer than it already does sound. Mm. So look, there was a school on Staten Island called Willowbrook State School, right? Mm-hmm. And if you Google it, all kinds of crazy, awful stuff comes up. So this is in the sanitarium. Right, but it was very close to the sanitarium. So Willowbrook is a school for mentally ill children and the disabled children, okay? Uh-huh. So also, many children who were there were neglected by the system. And this place was huge. Mm-hmm. It had like 6,000 kids at one point. That's a lot of kids, That's man. a lot of kids. But look, though, it turns out after some investigating by none other, then guess who? Who? Not oh. Ricky Lake. Okay. Not Sally Jesse Raphael. No. Raphael. Michael Williams. Geraldo Rivera. Geraldo. Oh. Look, Geraldo. man. Geraldo, Geraldo went in there. And look, he showed that this school. He like, had the whole mustache. Oh my gosh, his mustache was twinging. Okay. It was a total nightmare. All kinds of abuse. They had medical experiments on children. I mean, you name an awful thing, and pretty much it happened there. Dang, that's deep. And as you can imagine, if abuse of all kinds is permitted at this school, then there's got to be some evil people working there because only evil people would do evil things to kids. Terrible Yeah, people. that sounds about right. Look, the school shuts down in 1987, mm-hmm. literally two years after I'm born. Mm-hmm. And rumors start to circulate about former patients and former employees disappearing into the tunnels underneath and now the abandoned school. Cropsy loves some doggone tunnels, don't he? Man, listen, and just like the legend goes, kids around Staten Island, they actually go missing. He dragging them? I felt this coming up next. In 1987, the same year as the school shut down, a local girl goes missing. So she's 12 years old. Mm. She had Down syndrome. Okay. Her name was Jennifer. And later on, her body was actually found in a shallow grave in the woods near Willowbrook. Whoa. Look, but though, this is where it gets wild. The last person Jennifer was seen with was a guy named Andre. Andre ran. And coincidentally, he lived in the woods not far from where her body was found. Wait, he lived in the woods around the school? Ah, yeah, man. So look, Rand was a transient at the time. He was also a former Willowbrook worker. He held jobs as like a janitor and as like a physical therapist at different points. Wait, hold on. How you go from a janitor? <laughs> it's like I gotta to a point physical out. Ther- you went, are, yo, are you two... went from cleaning the dog on cafeteria <laughs> to to like stretching folks. Uh, no. I don't know about that, man. I, that's you, now you got way too close. Uh, uh, Rad. If, if that's your, that's what your name tag says. It's, it's Rand. Oh, I'm so. Oh, my bad. Rand. It's Rand. Rand. Where you going, Rand? Where you going, Rand? Where you going? They finally arrest Rand, right? And the jury only convicts him on her disappearance. They don't feel that they had enough evidence that he killed her. Mm. But Jennifer isn't Rand's only alleged victim. Hmm. Tell us. (laughs) Marcus. Tell us. I got a cliffhanger for you. Of course you do. Because you're going to wait to hear about all that till later in the show. 
when I talk to filmmaker Joshua Zeman, who made the Cropsy documentary, look, he's going to share his childhood stories with us and go deep inside this case. Man, this man, listen, this man talked to some people Mm -hmm. that have seen some things. Mm -hmm. And trust me, y'all are going to want to hear about it. All right, we're back. I have a little game in store for Marcus and Dalen. All right, y'all ready to play? I mean, I don't feel like we have. Mm-hmm. I feel like we have a choice. I mean, what are we going to do? I blocked off the hour. We're here. We're locked in. Come on, what's up? I mean, yeah. Yeah, let's, let's do play. the game. I, I, see, see what I have going on here? I have some co-hosts that lack pride and enthusiasm. I need y'all to be ready to play. Y'all ready to play this game? We locked in, man. Let's We're go. We're locked in. Let's goose. go. Well, I came up with a little game, and today I'd like to call it Scary Island or Staten Island. You want to go get us beat up in these streets. I mean, you know I, you <laughs> know you, I be in Staten Island a lot, <laughs> right. son. If right? you get beat up, it won't be because of me. They're going to be like, yo, son, I heard you talking about Staten Island, B. Wu-Tang Clan. Yo, what's up? <laughs> we I'm love sorry. you, Staten Island. We love you, Staten Island. <laughs> That's why you might get beat up. <laughs> That's horrible the, impression. Dang, that might be it. All right, so I'm going to give you guys a fact. Okay. A mm-hmm. piece of information, and you will tell me if it happened on Staten Island or not. So, Scary Island means it did not happen on Staten Island? Correct. You're okay. following along okay. quite nice. Okay, I'm ready. I'm so, ready. I'm ready. I'll start with you, Marcus. Let's go. Question number one. Nearly 1,000 bodies were found under the Staten Island Zoo in 1915. What? I'm going to go with, yeah, Staten Island, son. Ooh. You are incorrect. That is yep, actually... I said Scary Island. Yep, yep, yep. That's yep, what I heard. Yep. You're Scary mm-hmm. Island, That's what I heard. Yep. That's what I said. I that first. didn't happen in Staten Island. Oh, that, man. You know? Where did that happen at? I don't have that information. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, that's outside of your realm. You yeah. just know that I'm wrong. I that's just all you know, know that it didn't happen in Staten Island. Okay, my bad. Okay, cool. I, I'll, let that live. I'll let that live. Dalen, your turn. On New Year's Eve 2010, 5,000 blackbirds freaked out and slammed into buildings, telephone poles, you name it, all over Staten Island. Ooh, I know that's true. They made a movie about that. Ooh, I know you're wrong. Because <laughs> that's definitely Scary Island. <laughs> but you could say Scary Arkansas because it did happen there. Officials believe that all the fireworks going off that night scared them. But what's creepy? The next year, it happened again. And there weren't any fireworks. So, you know, it's okay, bro. Marcus, you're up next. I'm ready. You're ready? I'm ready. All right. Staten Island is known to the Thriller Killer, a serial killer who terrorized the island in the 70s and 80s, leaving at least six dead in his wake. Staten Island got to be known for something. Something. So I'm going to go ahead and go with, yeah, it's Staten Island. Yeah. All right. Man. Come on. I was I was getting nervous. Like, come on now. <laughs> Somebody got to get something right. Something got to happen. <laughs> right. Bro, you something are, gotta get. You are absolutely right. What's kind of nuts is that he was caught on his first murder and was given life sentence, right? But it got cut down to 17 years for good behavior. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah. nice. 
And then he went back out and killed five more people. God damn it. Dang it. <laughs> they let the you try, to re- you try to do rehabilitation. Got, see, mm-hmm. I thought we gave you 17 years to get it right. Tony, we did you a favor, Tony. Now you're back in here. He said, I learned how to do it better. And the authorities believe there could be more out there. That's jacked up, man. Dalen, mm-hmm. next question is yours, my man. Okay, I'm on this one. You got it? Yep. All right. On November 2nd. Okay, I'm locked in. 1963. Shoot, sounds like history class. Yep. Staten Island Ferry Mm -hmm. was on its usual route when it was attacked by a giant octopus. The boat went under in minutes. Not one of the 400 passengers on board survived. Wait, wait, wait. What body of water is connected to it? Let me let me get that first. Get that right. What body of water are we talking about? You know. What body of water do you think Staten Island is surrounded by? The one if I knew I would ask. I wouldn't ask. You You better phone a friend. Uh, Juwan, you're my friend. I'm not. I can't be your lifeline. I'm the host, Marcus. Oh, what body of water surrounds Staten Island? Cold. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> the cold water. All right, I got you. Uh, you got to see how deep it is. You man. got two more lifelines. I got to see how deep Ten it feet, is feet. to know how big an octopus could that can knock down a boat and kill 400 people. I like that you're trying to do deductive reasoning, but no. you only got 10 more seconds. Okay, I'm gonna go with Scary Island. Ooh, you are correct. Yes. You know Even there ain't no damn does, octopus in hey, no listen, stick. Hey, no, why, why would that be so hard? My man thought what? a giant squid was going to attack a boat. This is not Watchmen. Listen, this hey, is man, not the Watchmen. Was there not a giant hey. gorilla climbing a building in Manhattan? That and was in King Kong, dummy. Oh, <laughs> My man pulled a rabbit out of a hat with that one. Even though this didn't happen, you might have seen a monument to this alleged occurrence. Back in 2016, an artist fooled folks by erecting a monument to the 1963 Staten Island Ferry Disaster. Um, I believe we have a tie, guys. <sighs> That's what happens Wait, when greatness meets greatness. Let me ask you this. When you lifeline me in as a friend, didn't that give me half a point? No. Ooh. No, because you didn't provide any value. I, I said code. Ooh. I straight up said code. Right. And and what did that what did that lead you to doing? Nothing. Getting the answer right. Okay. Half a point. That's fair. So if he gave you a half and he has a half, wouldn't y'all still be tied? Carry the three, it, five by two, six. With the Pythagorean theorem, the, a squared put plus that two on the top. If y'all had to split I'll, that. I'll let that happen. We, I'll we, let that happen. We, 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 we still thinking about it? We twins. We twins. We twins. We twins. We twins. Okay. twins. So no, no prizes awarded today. Got it. Okay, guys. Can we split the prize? No, no prizes awarded. We don't have a winner. I don't think you had a prize. I don't think I you did. had a prize. It was going to be a Lorenz Spratt piece. Oh, okay. Where yeah. can I get that at? Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. <laughs> or, 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 or at lorenzbread.com. Oh, easy plug there. Hey, hey. Let's go. Okay, y'all. Next, Dalen, is your interview with Cropsy filmmaker Josh Zeman. That's right, man. Sit tight, hold tight, and get right. Because when I come back, you're in for a midnight surprise. Is it all night? Oh, listen. <laughs> On every episode of Urban Legends with the Ghost Brothers, we like to explore our urban legends deeper with the help of some of our friends in the paranormal world. Maybe they're paranormal investigators. Maybe they're writers. But today, we have something special. We have a filmmaker. Joshua Zeman wrote and co-directed the 2009 documentary, Cropsy. Look, man, this is something very interesting, and I'm excited to get into this legend. So, Joshua... Man, welcome to the show, brother. Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me. Oh, man, always. When I'm doing great. So let me get this straight, man. You actually grew up 
with the legend of Cropsy, right? This is something that you've always heard about. Like, it was new to me. Like, I learned about it yeah. this year. <laughs> uh, yeah, we always, like, so I grew up in Staten Island, New York in the 80s, like 70s and 80s. And when we were growing up, there were two things. There was the Willowbrook Mental Institution, mm -hmm. which lived, which was in the middle of Staten Island. Then there was the Seaview kind of tuberculosis wards, which was also in the middle of Staten Island. Wow. And then the farm colony, which was like the poorhouse. And there were these like three facilities in the middle of Staten Island, like in the woods. And we grew up around them. And we would go, we would hang out, we would go to like camp there. And there was always this legend of this guy named Cropsy, who was an escape mental patient who lived in the tunnels underneath these institutions. And if you were there, like hanging out, like when we were older for a keg party or yeah, something yeah. like that, he would come out and he would snatch you. And he had an axe. Okay, so the axe was his, his weapon of choice. That was his thing. Okay, so did you ever, growing up, push it to the limit, man? Or you know what I'm saying? Go out there with the sole purpose of trying to uh, stir up Cropsy. Is that what the kids oh, used yeah. to do back then? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, like, the interesting thing was, like, we were just kids, right? And so we were always be like, oh, you know, let's go to the mental institution. Let's go to the tunnels. And, you know, there was, like, there was abandoned, like, papers of, like, all the people who died there. And there was old, like, wheelchairs and tricycles and stuff like that. So, like, it, would wow. it definitely freaked us out. Right. And we would go there to, like hang out and scare each other. You take a girl there, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you go yeah. drink there, you do everything there. And it was very interesting because when we started to make this movie, we realized like there's a name for that. Like, like folklorists have a name for kids going to certain places and freaking themselves out. It's called legend tripping. Wow. Okay. That sounds like a dope uh, t-shirt. Legend tripping, <laughs> man. Does. Okay. So, okay. So we have a name for it now. So let me ask you, is, so what did any particular instance inspire you to make this movie? At what point did you be like, oh, no? <laughs> yeah. Well, so we had always heard about the legend. We didn't really think anything of it. Like, I think we knew that they were saying parents would tell us this because they didn't want us to go there um, and, like, die because sometimes the floors were, like, missing in these buildings and you could easily die. Then... In 1987, a little girl with Down syndrome named Jennifer Schweiger disappeared from our neighborhood. And suddenly, everybody's like, oh, my God, where is this missing child? And after six weeks, a bunch of searchers, like citizen searchers, found her body buried on the grounds of that same mental institution that we would go in and hang out. Wow. And they arrest this guy. His name is Andre Rand. And he wasn't an escaped mental patient like the urban legend had suggested he was a former orderly who had worked there. And then when Willowbrook shut down, he went to go live on the grounds in like a campsite. And he was like a homeless guy. Hmm. And that's when the police revealed that this guy had been suspected in taking a number of other missing kids, like over 30 years. Wow. And apparently they could never catch him. So because they couldn't catch him, like word filtered out to the parents and the parents were telling us, they weren't saying, Hey, don't go to this area. Cause there's a pedophile right, killer right. pedophile lives there. They were just saying, don't go to this area. Cause an escape mental patient would go there. Like they made it 
ter- more terrifying for kids. And that's what cautionary tales are about. That's what parents do. They don't say, hey, don't go have sex in that car. Right. They say, don't go hang out there because one-armed Willie is going to come out and get you. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that definitely stopped me from having sex in the car a couple of times. One-armed <laughs> Willie. You can't, you can't get caught by one-armed Willie, man. But no, okay, so that's interesting. So it's almost like this urban legend was birthed from just the parents trying to keep you, you know what I mean? Isn't it like Freddy Krueger or somebody? Isn't it like the story, the real story behind Freddy Krueger? Well, Freddy Krueger, to my knowledge, was born because it was a nun who had been trapped in a mental institution and had been raped by a thousand crazy inmates. And then that child was kind of, Freddy was born from that. I mean, there's a lot of those types of stories. But here's the interesting thing. This was a weird thing in which we had an urban legend because there's always urban legends about mental institutions. You go to every town and there's always an urban legend about a mental institution. And then Cropsey. Well, Cropsey was a name that had been taken from an urban legend in upstate New York, sleepaway camps in the 1950s and 60s. That was the, um, the caretaker of the camp. You know, his name was Cropsey. And somehow that name kind of filtered down. And I think it was because all the kids had seen the burning. Yeah. That that uh, slasher film. Right, right. So they named my guy Cropsey. But there was also something real going on. And that's the other thing about urban legends. Urban legends usually have some form of truth right, behind them. Right. There's always something real. And but it's usually unsolved. And that's what creates the legend in the fact that there's a real thing, there's no answer to it. So then people kind of pick it up and run with it. Right. Right. So before you started with the film, obviously you knew a lot about this situation. So after Mm -hmm. you filmed this in your experience, what do you feel like you've uncovered since then? It's really about how communities create their own, their own monsters, Mm. you know, and, and how, you know, we all have these stories growing up and people take those stories and then they use it to their advantage. Like we had the urban legend of Cropsey and parents took that story and used it to prevent kids from hanging out. So I learned about the legal system. I learned about how communities create urban legends and scapegoat. And I also learned about the power of urban legends. I had no idea how urban legends started. Right. Um, And that led me to do another film called Killer Legends, in which we looked at all these other urban legends around the country. So the guy uh, who Cropsey was essentially made around, Andre Rand, uh, it seems like you got pretty far in your movie. You, you, were you able to speak with him or? Oh yeah. We were, we were corresponding with him, like sending letters to the jail and him sending letters back. And they were always super creepy and super crazy asking, what did you do with the children? Where are they buried? Because he had taken, theoretically, three other missing kids or four other missing kids. We can never find the bodies. Okay. It's believed that they're buried somewhere on the grounds of the mental institution. So let me ask you, after talking to him or corresponding, doing all your research, do you feel like he was responsible for the acts that he's accused of? I feel he was definitely responsible for some of them, but maybe not all of them. You know, that's what prosecutors do. What happens is you have a guy, a crazy, you know, serial killer like Henry Lee Lucas or somebody Mm -hmm. like that. Did you do this one? Did you do this one? Did you do this one? You know, they start throwing all the crimes on him because then they can close out the the cases. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Dang. That's so is he he's still alive today there? Yeah, he's in 
He's in jail. He was in jail with like Son of Sam. He was. Wow. He was. He's like up there in the, in the New York penal system. He is up there. Right. Right. So, from my understanding, when you were trying to interview him, you started unraveling all these other people connected to him, right? Mm-hmm. And what is this mm-hmm. about a school bus? <laughs> yeah, one of the things that he did—it's a crazy story. He took a bunch of kids to watch the planes take off in Newark, and I guess he got a school bus, and he like you know said, "Hey, anybody want to go see the the." the the planes take off and we'll go to White Castle. And the kids are like, yeah, sure. They don't know any better. Right. They're little it's kids. a school bus. <laughs> and it's a school bus. And so he's, and he, t- he takes them to Willowbrook, actually. He does take them to Newark Airport and then he takes them to Willowbrook. And he was just doing all sorts of crazy stuff. Crazy shit. Nobody had any idea what he was doing. But, okay, so that's a true story. This guy yeah. that's sitting in jail right now Stole yeah. a school bus full of kids, took them yeah. to White Castle because they had to get some White Castle. Of course. And then brought them to the Willowbrook place. Yeah, brought them to Willowbrook. I, he, we ended up finding out that this guy, his mother was in a mental institution, a very similar, almost exactly styled mental institution in Long Island. And so he was working through some shit from his childhood, you know, mm-hmm. and he, we, we believe that he had a messiah complex. Basically, he was taking out disabled or underadvantaged kids rather than have them live this life of not being wanted like maybe he was. Right, right. So was there ever any evidence of like weird things or just some, any type of stuff happening under Willowbrook? There were tunnels. Okay. So we always hear urban legends about tunnels, right? Right. Whether right. it's a college, whether it's a hospital, <laughs> right. always City, urban legends right. about exactly. tunnels. Right. Always, right? Well, in this case, there really were tunnels. And in some of these institutions, there are. So basically what happens is, you're imagine this. You're bringing 10 mentally disabled kids from one building to another, right? To go get lunch or mm-hmm. to go schooling. And there's at the time, there just were not that many attendance for the amount of kids. Right. And these kids are severely mentally disabled. So you're walking them from building to building outside and they're starting to just run away. So you would really have to keep them together. Right. So that's really hard to do, number one. It's hard to manage these kids. Right. Number two, you're talking about a huge facility. There were like 16 buildings. It was like 380 acres. And it's government run in the 60, 50s, 60s, and 70s. So they built tunnels underneath because they didn't have to, you know, shovel the snow. Right. And it was easier to take kids from one building to another because they just had to go down a tunnel. Right, right. So these tunnels were real. And we would see like characters, like kids' characters painted in the tunnels. What? And with like little lines like, stop and count the children. What? Like a note to the attendant, like stop and count how many kids you have going from this building oh, into this building like or turning reminder. this corner. Yeah, and you would be there with a flashlight looking at this shit, and you your mind at that point would just explode. Okay, so you touched on these urban legends and what they say about us. I'm curious to what you think this urban legend says about Staten Island. So Staten Island is a very interesting place. Right. It's fifth borough, Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, you know, Bronx, Staten Island. It was always an island, so you had to get there by a bridge. 
And when there were no bridges beforehand, it was a place where basically you sent stuff. So back in the day, that's where you sent people who had tuberculosis. Right. You didn't want them hanging out in the tenements. You sent them over to Staten Island where they could either convalesce or die. Right, right. When you had poor people, you didn't want them in Manhattan and the rest of the boroughs. You sent them there. There was a poor farm. They could work on a farm and grow vegetables and maybe earn back the living. Mm -hmm. Or there was, Willowbrook before was a mental institution, was a hospital for veterans. You can't have veterans walking around the city with, you know, all these disabilities. Right. You sent them there. And for a very long time, it was also the largest garbage dump in America. Are you serious? Fresh Kills Landfill, the largest garbage dump in America. So big, there was an urban legend that you could see it from space. Wow. So Staten Island was where you sent your trash. And you sent everything that nobody wanted. Right. When you have your trash and your people and all these, it's like the land of broken toys, you know? When yeah. you send everybody there, eventually you have all that bad stuff that nobody wants in one concentrated area. Mm -hmm. Shit is going to happen. Right. Bad shit is right. going to happen. Right. So let me ask you this. 2021, what is the energy like in Staten Island now? Is it it's very different. Okay. It's very different. You know, now it's, there's a whole bunch of different cultures in there. And I think it's a lot more vibrant, but it, Staten Island still wrestles with the fact that it's, you know, the forgotten borough. Wu Tang's from there, so right. you know we've been right. we've been we've been doing things and and making it up. The the dump is no longer a dump; it's now a nice nature preserve. Um, it was interesting mm -hmm. when we started our film, like only like my kind of the kids on Staten Island and in our neighborhoods knew about Cropsey. They knew he was this you know mental patient who disappeared, and we would go hang out in those buildings, but it wasn't a thing. After Cropsey came out, like maybe five years later, we went back on Halloween night to the same place. And there were, this place was crowded with kids being yeah. like, Cropsey's here, Cropsey's right, right, here. Right. So it was so interesting to see how we took a small urban legend and blew it out. Right. And made a, another chapter in that story and how the, the kids of today like Polish kids or Romanian kids or Ecuadorian kids picked up this story and like they ran with it mm -hmm. and they made it their own. And that was very interesting. That's the power of an urban legend. What's also cool I learned about urban legends is no matter how much you and I try to demystify an urban legend, say, oh, it's not true. What that does is actually in some ways only add to the power of the urban legend. Every <laughs> right. time you try and the blow mystique. it apart, it, it only gets better and bigger. And so we realized that as well. And now when it's so weird, because when you talk about Staten, if you do like the urban legend map, you've always, the, the, the map of right. like everybody in all the urban legends, like Staten Island is like Cropsey right. or New York even is like Cropsey, you know, that's become the, the urban legend. And then I think that that grew. When I started in 2009, People didn't talk about urban legends like they do. Mm -hmm. We didn't have ghost hunter shows like we do now. And so that was very interesting to see that. Right. The reason I made Cropsey was because Blair Witch had come out that year. <sighs> the infamous and I Blair said, Witch. I said, that shit is scary. But mm -hmm. let me tell you something 
or to let me show you something, right? Which is just as scary. Yeah. Real life. Yeah. And what I mean by that is if you watch Cropsey, or even if you've seen American Horror Story Asylum, Mm -hmm. which you took parts of Cropsey from, there's footage in there of of Geraldo Rivera with these cameras going back in in the 70s and showing the conditions. And it was a nightmare. It was horrific. There were so many people, so many kids, basically. There were like 50 kids for two attendants. And kids were just running around, no clothes on. They didn't wear clothes. You know, they were shitting and pissing everywhere. And it was just, it was a nightmare. It was a true nightmare. There's one guy that Geraldo Rivera befriended. His name's Bernard Cabello. Bernard had MS, multiple sclerosis, Mm -hmm. right? He had no mental disability. And, And this guy was dropped off by his parents and left there. And he's sitting there and he's, he, he fully understands what's going on. Imagine being in that kind of trapped in that, that world. That's insane. That's insane. Yeah. Cause he, he got out and became a lawyer. Okay. And then for he, handicap rights. Right. So I'm assuming he spoke about it, wrote about it, told his story. Yeah, he he became to. a lawyer. Right. Like he was right. like, he was like for the first 18 years of my life, I was imprisoned in this mental institution and, and it was horrific. The conditions yeah. were horrific. Yeah. Some, some attendant tried to tell me what it was like. They say, imagine it would be so, so weird. Somebody would drop a rubber band on the floor and suddenly like 20 kids would descend on this rubber band and people would be breaking each other's arms right. for a rubber band because they just don't know. That's wild. So how do you feel Cause to me, it seems like you had a hand in like blowing up something that's pretty dope, man. Like, did you, when you were making this movie, did you ever think that it would, I guess, help blow up the culture in the way that it did? No, I was just, it was just me and my girlfriend going out on the weekends to, <laughs> to, it, right. to, a, to an abandoned mental institution with a camera and like trying to tell this story. Right. So look, you hit a home run with this one. What's next? Is there something else uh, on, your, well, uh, on your pipeline? Well, I did another one after that called Killer Legends. Right. And when we looked, we looked at four urban legends around the country. We looked at like how tainted Halloween candy, which is coming up again. Right. And how that was never a thing. <laughs> wait, never wait, really wait, wait. Been no, a, like a Joshua, don't you dare tell me that. Because I remember yep. growing up, that's one reason why we couldn't get candy. Because they would say people was putting razor blades in the Snickers. Nobody never. was ever doing that. Nope, nope, nope. Never happens, never really happens, except for, well, we looked at the first case where it actually did happen, and it only be, it only happened because a guy in Houston, Texas, in 19, I think it was 76, Ronald Clark O'Brien, he put cyanide in a pixie stick, and he, like, fake gave it to put it in his kid's candy, and he actually ended up murdering his own son with cyanide and blaming it on like, oh, you know, they I must have got somebody it from- must yeah. have tainted this kid's candy. And the police were interviewing him and they're and he's like, it happens all the time. And the police actually like consulted experts and they're like, actually, it doesn't happen all the time. You're busted. Right. And now that guy is known as uh the man who killed Halloween and he was executed in Huntsville, Alabama for that crime. Oh, wow. Lethal injection. We definitely with cyanide. The irony, right? So that doesn't really happen. But I was just reading an article before where, like, it's happening again. Now they're saying 
you know, weed, like weed candy. Be careful. People are making weed candy. Look, and it's look, looking look, like regular candy. Look, let me tell you something, man. Nobody's <laughs> giving away free weed candy for That's Halloween. That's what I'm saying. That's not what they're doing, parents. Don't let them put that lie in y'all's head. That costs money, guys. Nobody's throwing money down the drain. <laughs> Maybe a razor blade is cheap, but not weed not candy. Weed what are you, candy. crazy? Not, not what the prices are today, Joshua. Not today. Exactly. They got loud. They got zaza. None of that. No, I'm just playing. But look, Joshua, man, I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for coming in and talking to me today, man. My pleasure. Urban Legends with the Ghost Brothers is a Discovery Plus podcast. From Discovery Plus, our executive producer is Marissa Lucy. Our show is produced by Neon Hum Media. At Neon Hum, our executive producer is Jonathan Hirsch. Our lead producer is Joanna Clay. Our associate producers are Chloe Chobel and Evan Jacoby. Our production manager is Samantha Allison. And editorial support, that comes from Nick White. Music is by Asha Ivanovich. Our concept is by Odelia Rubin and Shara Morris. Josh Hahn and Hans Del Sue engineered this episode. Thanks for listening to Urban Legends with the Ghost Brothers. We love sharing these stories with you. And we love hearing yours. Keep those things coming. And listen, man, do not forget to rate and review us. It helps other folks just like you find the show. All right, y'all. See you next time. See ya. Peace out.